We're only a few practices into organized team activities for the Seahawks, but all eyes are on Drew Locke, Geno Smith, and Jacob Eason as the team tries to find its next quarterback to replace Russell Wilson for the upcoming season. Who's looked good so far and who has the edge? Rob and I'll be breaking down the quarterback position in our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Join me as always for our Thursday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks as always for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. We got another loaded episode coming your way. We're going to be answering your questions in our weekly mailbag segment. Plus, we're going to be continuing our position by position depth chart review at the quarterback spot, the most important position in professional sports. And the Seahawks have a pretty big opening there with Russell Wilson being in Denver. We're going to check out the latest in the competition between Drew Locke, Geno Smith, and Jacob Eason. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. We almost have the calendar to the month of June. We're past the midway point in what is always a long off season. We're kind of in that dark couple months where, yeah, there's some players on the field, but free agency is pretty much over. The draft is now passed. Players have been signed. Rosters aren't going to change much between now and the end of July. So it means it's officially power rankings season. And Our friends Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock for the Williamson and Peacock Show dished out their NFC team rankings earlier this week. 16 teams in the NFC, the Seahawks getting ranked at number 15. This goes in line with a lot of the narratives out there. When you trade a franchise quarterback like Russell Wilson, you release a future Hall of Famer like Bobby Wagner, this tends to be how people view your team going into the upcoming season. It does. And I, I think that, uh, you know, we have the NFC rankings here uh, available for people to see if you're watching here on, on YouTube. But for those of you listening, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, at least according to the Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson show, ranked 15th in the NFC. And when you consider that the NFC is considered at this point to be considerably weaker than the AFC, that basically is projecting Seattle to have a top five selection next year, to have one of the worst seasons of all of the NFL teams uh, a, a year from now. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how these rankings hold up. I think that Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson both um, do an outstanding job. I, I kind of beg to differ with some of their rankings, but I do think that, as you mentioned, Corbin, this, this is kind of the, the national consensus that when you don't have a quarterback like Russell Wilson or Bobby Wagner, you've had the the transition that the Seahawks have. Um, you know, you're, you're playing in the best division in NFL football, as the Seahawks clearly do in the NFC West with the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams, ranked as Peacock and Williamson's number one rated team appropriately enough in the NFC, um, I think that this makes sense. So that it's going to be fascinating to see if Seattle is going to be able to, you know, kind of outlive uh, these rankings. But uh, I don't know. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see if we can, if, if Seattle has a quarterback who is going to be able to kind of 
take that step, whether it be Geno Smith, whether it be Drew Locke, whether it be Jacob Beeson, somebody who is able to kind of seize this opportunity and, and lead Seattle to a, a, a more productive uh, you know, season than expected, then sure, I think that things can change very, very quickly because I think we are expecting to see an improved defense and, and running game from the Seahawks, at least a little bit more consistent running game. Um, and that obviously can turn into victories. But at this point, I think that this is a pretty fair ranking, Seattle finishing towards the bottom of the NFC. Yeah, for those of you that are just listening to the podcast and aren't watching on YouTube, going through the listing, as you mentioned, Rob, the Rams at number one, that's not a surprise. They're the defending champions. They upgraded their roster in a number of positions during free agency and the draft. The Buccaneers coming in at number two with Tom Brady ending his seven-second retirement to come back for his 50th season in the NFL. Then the Green Bay Packers at number three with Aaron Rodgers. Even though they don't have Devontae Adams, they've still got Rodgers and a pretty good defense. The Dallas Cowboys at number four. The Philadelphia Eagles at number five. That's maybe the biggest surprise to me so far on this list. The Saints and the 49ers rounding out the playoff teams with number six and number seven. And with the non-playoff teams, the Minnesota Vikings and Arizona Cardinals at eight and nine, respectively. The Washington Commanders, I still feel like I'm mentioning an XFL team when I say that. At number 10 on our rankings, the Detroit Lions at number 11, Carolina Panthers at 12, New York Giants 13, Chicago Bears 14, Seattle Seahawks at 15. The only team, according to Peacock and Williamson, that's worst in the NFC is the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I think looking at this list, I would agree with you that when you consider Seattle's quarterback situation, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that on today's episode, but when you go from Russell Wilson to either Geno Smith or Drew Locke playing quarterback for you, that's obviously a steep decline at the most important position in sports, but Seattle did like the draft they had. They've got some uh, building blocks on both sides. They've got some star power, particularly at receiver and the safety groups. You've got a linebacker in Jordan Brooks that's a budding star. So I look at some of the other teams that are ahead of them, like the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields, maybe he's going to have a breakout second season, but who else do they have? Their defense could potentially be losing a player or two due to suspension, too. There's a lot of rumors out there right now in that regard. But this is a team that doesn't have much talent at receiver. There are question marks on the offensive line. I would think the Chicago Bears would be behind Seattle in this ranking, but for the rest of the teams ahead of them, I think you can make an argument that Seattle has the weaker roster given the quarterback situation, even compared to teams like, say, Detroit, the New York Giants, maybe another team that are hit and miss, but I really like the draft that they had. I like the coaching change they made. So this is what happens. This is life when you don't have a – capable starting quarterback or at least it looks on paper like you don't you tend to plunge down these rankings and so there's a reason that the Seahawks are being viewed the way they are and I don't think you can argue about them being one of the three worst even with the NFC being the inferior conference by a wide margin yeah I think that I, I agree with you I don't think that you can argue it on paper um, because obviously Geno Smith and Drew Locke uh, and, and clearly Jacob Beeson doesn't have a single NFL career start, um, you know, on, on paper, then Seattle should struggle. But I, I think that, again, with all due respect to, to Peacock and Williamson, both of whom I respect a great deal, 
Um, I, at the same time, I don't know that they're giving Seattle enough credit for the improvements that this team has made and at virtually every other position other than quarterback. And, and you just mentioned the Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions, Carolina Panthers, all of them ranked ahead of Seattle. Let, let's see what happens. Carolina would be the other team that I would really question being in front of them. Sam Darnold, if that's your starting quarterback. Uh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, that's why I think that this is kind of fascinating. I, I mean, I, I am not among those who thinks that, that people should be out there putting their money on the Seattle Seahawks to go and win the Super Bowl. But at the same time, I also would argue against the likelihood that Seattle is going to be a contender for the number one overall selection in the 2023 draft. And, and maybe that is what Seahawks fans should be hoping for. I mean, I think this, this quarterback class coming up is spectacular. My top rated prospect in 2023 is actually not a quarterback. Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama. I think that he would make a lot of sense for the Seahawks considering the defense that they're going to be running. The fact that I think Anderson is an absolute superstar. So if you are looking, for the true roster rebuild, I get it. I mean, with, I remember years ago when people wanted teams to quote unquote suck for luck. I mean, they wanted Andrew Luck and they wanted their team basically to take a nosedive so they might be in a position to draft a quarterback as good as Andrew Luck. And in that exact same year, of course, a certain guy named Russell Wilson was selected in the, in the third round and, and wound up making his franchise a winner. And so that that to me is the kind of the folly of this idea. I think that what Pete Carroll has always preached, like, let's play, let, let's compete, let's do exactly everything that we possibly can. And if Drew Locke, Juno Smith, Jacob Eason are unable to be that elite quarterback, then Seattle has put themselves in an excellent position with two first round picks, two second round picks to be able in the next year's draft to be able to fix the quarterback position if it has not already been fixed with Drew Locke and Geno Smith and Jacob Beeson already possessing all of the talent that you're looking for. They just haven't had enough opportunity. So I, I'm really excited to see what Seattle might be able to do this year. It's funny when people knock Seattle, that's when they have actually shown incredible ability to surprise people and, and kind of play better than expectations. Obviously there is a lot of pretty low expectations for the Seahawks this upcoming season. And it's understandable. Like you said, there's a chance that they could exceed those expectations, but there aren't very many rosters out there, especially when you consider the weight of the quarterback position. There are not many rosters out there that you would put below the Seahawks. There's maybe a few that they'd be on par with, but there's a reason that the narrative's out there. Now they'll be looking to prove that wrong. And Pete Carroll is so competitive that you know his team is going to follow suit. They're not going to be going out there looking to lose games. So we'll be revisiting these rankings down the line and seeing which teams they pegged right in terms of being playoff teams, which teams at the bottom ended up not being good, and which surprises emerged. Maybe the Seahawks could be one of those surprises. When we return, we are going to be tackling your questions in our weekly mailbag segment, some NFL questions, some college questions, maybe some ownership questions coming up from you, our valued listener. We've been asking and Built finally delivered. Built granola bars are here. I've been getting messages from listeners about this for months. Built granola bars come in three unbelievable flavors, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? You can get a mixed box at Built.com right now. These are so different from the bars and the Built Bar Puffs. 
Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness, but just like the bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. Built granola bars will change your world. Built has cracked the code to better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to back in your lunch, take on the road, or eat as a snack. So if you've been waiting for a healthy, delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get the Built Granola Bars, three delicious flavors to try. Again, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. You don't want to miss out. Get yours today. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 at Built.com for 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Thursday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast for your second listen. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on Odyssey, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. As we do a lot of our Thursdays, it's time for our weekly mailbag segment. Tons of questions from you, our listeners. So let's get to it. First one here for Rob from Ethan Ludlum. How would you compare Drew Locke and Geno Smith's skill level to Jared Goff? And what reason is there to think that they can produce to a similar level as Goff did in McVay's offense, assuming some of the same concepts are used by Shane Waldron? Great question, Ethan. Thank you for asking. I, I think that if you're going to compare Gino, Drew Locke, uh, maybe even Jacob Eason to uh, Jared Goff, I think Gino Smith is actually the most similar. Um, he is a guy that, that played in a spread offense going back to his college days. Um, he has the same type of uh, you know decision-making, um, the, the same kind of uh, a quick release, uh, the understanding of defenses, um, obviously has been in Seattle scheme longer than Drew Locke or Jacob Eason. And so similar to Jared Goff when he was playing uh, you know, with the Los Angeles Rams, I, I think that he is kind of that, that past distributor, um, that, that point guard, as Pete Carroll has kind of referred to in the past. I think that Drew Locke is a completely different animal. Uh, I think that that's one of the good things and bad things about him is that the arm, the the willingness to go deep, um, that to me is is something I think that appeals to Seattle. is very different than Jared Goff. Goff has good touch. He doesn't have an elite arm. Gino and Drew Locke, both, Jacob Eason as well, all, all possess incredible arm strength. That's one of the reasons why I've kind of argued against the idea of Seattle going with some other quarterback outside of the you know who's already signed with the uh, with, with the, the franchise. Just because I don't know that you're necessarily getting better, you're not getting more physically gifted than than some of the players that, that Seattle already has there. So. To me, Drew Locke is basically the antithesis of, of what we've seen with Jacob Eason or with, with Jared Goff, excuse me. I, I think that, that Drew Locke is actually a lot more comparable to Matthew Stafford, who the Rams made that trade for. And obviously, you know, that wound up working out beautifully for them in that he does have that big arm. He does have enough athletic ability. Uh, he does have that kind of just a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. 
that I think they actually can be very successful. But at the same time, like Matthew Stafford, he is willing to trust his big arm and throw the ball into coverage. And that would be the biggest concern I have with Jacob Beeson as well. So uh, again, to me, the biggest area of concern I have is that none of these quarterbacks have proven over the long haul that they could be successful uh, you know, as, as a starting quarterback. But when you consider the defense and the running game that Seattle offers, I think that all of them can be successful. In my opinion, Drew Locke is the guy who I think is most likely to be successful in Seattle's scheme. Look at our next question. This one coming from LED tweets. How has Marquise Goodwin looked? What is his role? Do you expect him to make the 53-man roster? So I've gotten to see Marquise Goodwin on the practice field for about 25 minutes in a Seahawks uniform. So I'm not going to sit here and say that I've got extensive views on how he looks running routes. I mean, I can tell you one thing. He still looks very fast. I don't know that he's 427 40-yard dash speed fast anymore because he's 31 years old but he can still fly and you know Pete Carroll loves receivers that can run like track stars and this guy literally was a track star he was on the U.S. Olympic track team and competed in the Olympics in 2012 so he is an elite athlete even at his age is still a guy that can fly you can play him in the slot you can play him at the outside he can return kicks hasn't done that for several years but he has prior experience doing that so with that versatility, with the speed, the fact that he has played a lot of games in the NFL, there's definitely a chance that he could make this 53-man roster. But I view this as one of those late free agent ads that is kind of a 50-50 deal, especially with the depth, the youth that the Seahawks have at receiver. If I had to make a projection right now, I would say that he doesn't make the 53-man roster, but he certainly has an opportunity to because of his versatility, his route running savvy, and his top-of-the-line speed that he still possesses. Paul Sapipat tweets, Do you think Jacob Eason could have a realistic shot at becoming a starter, or could he just be a longtime backup for Seattle? Rob, you were just talking a little bit about the quarterback situation. Eason's name has not been floated out there very much, but he's still on the roster. There's a reason they claimed him off waivers last year. So where does he fit into this? It's an excellent question. Thank you again for asking. I think that he absolutely has the physical talent to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I just don't know that he has the want to. That's been one of the concerns about him ever since his days at George, ever since his days at the University of Washington, ever since his days at the Indianapolis Colts, when the Colts cut him and Seattle was one of the only teams that showed any interest in bringing him in. As Jacob Eason has not shown the want to is not shown the desire, uh, the the commitment to to be a starting NFL quarterback. If he does, then yes, I think that he absolutely can be that guy. At the same time, I, I do have my concerns. I'll say this. I think that Jacob Eason is either going to be a real contender for Seattle's starting quarterback position, or I think that it's just as likely that he gets cut. I do not think that he is going to be a guy who's going to be a long-time backup in the NFL. You want your backup quarterback to be a guy who is as committed or even more so than your starter. That's why you see guys like a Chad Henney, for example, a Matt Barkley, for example, who don't have necessarily the most physical gifts, but they're smart. They, they, they are you know the kind of guys that will stay in uh, long after the starters go home to be able to kind of you know do all that homework to make sure that they are prepared in case their number is called. Geno Smith has been that guy as well. 
So I think that Jacob Eason, th this is your opportunity. If he doesn't make this roster, then I don't know that his NFL career is going to last much longer. And that's usually how it goes if you can't be the backup for a team. I mean, you have your players that bounce around and find other gigs, but with the reputation that he's got, as you mentioned, not a lot of interest when the Colts waved him last year. You got to wonder where he's at in terms of, you know, being an NFL quarterback. So this may be his best and last chance to make it. Alan tweets, do you think there's a chance the Seahawks could be relocated if the team is sold? So this is going to put some salt into wounds for Seattle basketball fans, me mentioning this. You never say never because we saw what happened then, but this is this is a never. This is not happening. For one thing, based on some things I've been hearing through the grapevine for the next couple of years, I don't know that they can be sold anyway. Because, and I, I hate bringing this term up because this will rub the wrong way with some fans too, but there's a poison pill that was signed that basically eliminates selling the team over the next couple of years because I believe it's 2025 that I was told up through 2025, if the Seahawks are sold, then they would have to pay back millions of dollars that were invested by the city to build Lumen Field back in the day. And so I don't know all the details behind that, but there are complications and everybody knows that money is what talks in this business when you're talking about professional sports. So I don't see the team getting sold in the next couple of years for that reason. And then they do get sold if Jody Allen eventually does sell the football team. I don't think that the buyer is going to come in and pull a Clay Bennett. I don't anticipate that we will be watching the San Diego Seahawks in 2027. I just don't see it. Next question here. The real con with a new defensive scheme in place, is it viable to have Jamal Adams play as a roaming line of scrimmage player and utilize Marquise Blair as the traditional cover safety? Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be pulling to both players' strengths. Uh, you know, another terrific question. Thank you again for asking. Um, you know, Jamal Adams, anybody who's been watching the CX the last couple of years can see what a force that Jamal Adams is in the line of scrimmage. So I, I won't even, you know, waste your time in, in talking about that. Um, but there may not be a lot of fans out there who saw what a playmaker that Marquise Blair was deep in coverage at the University of Utah. Uh, his speed, his range, his instincts, we, we've seen flashes of what he can be closer to the line of scrimmage. I mean, he made, he's made an awful lot of plays in a short amount of time, uh, you know, when he's been healthy for Seattle. And he can do that. He can be that guy in, in, in coverage as well. He can be that guy, in my opinion, at the nickel corner back spot especially against the bigger receivers the tight ends as well i think the marquise blair might just be with it all you know due respect to quandre Diggs, to ryan neal who has already demonstrated the ability to play multiple positions i think that uh, marquise blair might be seattle's most versatile defensive back Unfortunately, he's also been their least reliable defensive back in terms of durability. But yeah, I, I think that the you know the the ceiling on Marquise Blair is exactly why they selected it. The Seahawks selected him in the second round years ago is because they did recognize that this guy can do just about everything. And so, yes, I do think if Sean Desai is going to get uh, the opportunity to do what he did previously in Chicago and utilize an awful lot of three safety looks, then I think that there is absolutely a possibility that Seattle will 
ask Jamal Adams to come up the line of scrimmage and be that feared pass rusher and then allow Marquise Blair and Quandre Diggs to be able to kind of roam in space and create havoc. And that might be the best possible scenario for Seattle secondary. And last question here coming from Joel Sigrest. Do you think the starting quarterback is coming from inside the house or is it someone to come? I, I think at this point, unless Baker Mayfield gets cut, I'm going to stick with that. I've been saying it for months. If Baker Mayfield gets cut by the Browns and becomes a free agent and the Seahawks can get him for veteran minimum, the rest of the salary paid by the Cleveland Browns, then I think Seattle will definitely be a strong player to make that happen. I just don't see them trading for him. I think when Pete Carroll has said they're not going to be trading for a quarterback, that's not in their plans. I believe it at this point. They didn't draft a quarterback. They didn't make any other bold moves. They're not going to give up assets to pay Baker Mayfield even a small chunk of the contract that he is owed. If he gets cut, then that may change the ball game. But right now, I think that the starting quarterback is in-house. I think they're going to go with one of the three guys that's competing for the position right now. And speaking of those three players, we're going to continue breaking down this quarterback battle. We're now a week into OTAs. Have we learned anything over these first few practices? Where does the competition stand? We're going to be breaking that position down in our position-by-position depth chart so let's get to it rob looking at our depth chart here as we've mentioned throughout the show the seahawks only have three quarterbacks on the roster right now levi lewis was with the team for about six minutes and then they cut him (laughs) they don't have any other quarterbacks on the roster they filled that opening with marquise goodwin on monday so they're going into this next portion of otas and eventually mandatory minicamp rob with just these three quarterbacks. None of them have a winning record as a starting QB in the league. Jacob Eason has never started a game. Geno Smith had a really rough couple seasons in New York when he was a full-time starter. There were flashes, but not enough of them. Had a couple injuries that ended up setting him back. And Drew Locke went 4-1 and his rookie year after that. It's been a disaster. Lost his starting job to Teddy Bridgewater in Denver a year ago. So that's the cast of characters and now we've had a couple practices to see what these guys can do on the field. The competition's been jump-started. I don't know how much it's been jump-started because this is fake football, as Pete Carroll called it. But the competition is truly on now with Drew Locke and Geno Smith, to a lesser extent, Jacob Eason now on the field. Yeah, and you know, I don't. I mean, I understand that the, the Seahawks fans—they they, they want to win. I mean, e- every NFL fan out there wants their teams to win, of course. But the talent evaluator in me absolutely loves these opportunities to see. Hey, what do you got? Let's see. I mean, you have Geno Smith, who wants—who's been just starving for an opportunity to prove that he is a legitimate NFL starter. Drew Locke as a second round pick, same thing that Geno Smith was, of course, as well, several years prior to that. Um, you know, he is just begging for this opportunity. I mean, he did flash, um, as you said, in his rookie season at Denver Broncos. And then, you know, the Broncos had a defensive-minded head coach and Vic Fangio, a guy who was never viewed as a guy who – you know, was was likely to spark a lot of creativity on offense. And, and I think that that really kind of hurt Drew Locke. And then Jacob Eason, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, Corbin. I, I was there in person, watched the way that 
Jacob Eason, then a quarterback for the University of Washington, in the way that he threw the ball against Justin Herbert, then a quarterback for the University of Oregon, you know, the way that Justin Herbert has ascended into one of, his, of the NFL's best young quarterbacks with the Los Angeles Chargers, he threw four touchdowns that game against zero interceptions uh, in playing in Seattle against UW. Jacob Eason threw three touchdowns that game against zero interceptions. Actually threw had a better completion rate, threw for more yards. That, that was a back-and-forth game bef- between two quarterbacks who I view as legitimate NFL starting caliber guys. Again, Herbert has ascended to becoming one of the NFL's best young quarterbacks. Jacob Eason is basically on you know the, the last opportunity for him to, to stick with the NFL roster. It's not about talent. So uh, I think that Seattle has actually positioned themselves beautifully here. They either are going to give one of these guys their final opportunity to be an NFL starter, or they're in great position to be able to take advantage of a 2023 draft class of quarterback that is loaded. And so, yeah, I think that you look at this quarterback class that the Seattle has, the three guys that they've got, I do not expect them to go outside of who is currently on the roster because I see three guys who have starting NFL caliber talent. Now, will one of them ultimately ascend and become that guy? That's going to, it remains to be seen. But I can tell you this, Geno Smith, Drew Locke, and certainly Jacob Beeson never had the, the offensive line. They never had the receivers. They never had the tight ends. They never had you know, the play callers that they currently have in Seattle. So, gentlemen, start your engines. Let's see what you got. You are getting a golden opportunity. So I'm excited to see how training camp OTAs, how it's all going to play out. This is a golden opportunity for the three players, but I just I can't share the glowing optimism that Rob Rang brings to the show on this topic because – These guys, again, two of them have losing records. One of them doesn't because he's never been a starter, never been able to get a starting job. And so it's for me, it's a lot easier to be a skeptic on this. Now, I do see the flashes on tape. I thought Geno Smith played pretty well for the most part in the three starts that he had for Seattle last year. I thought he played admirably coming in for an injured Russell Wilson against the Rams. He nearly pulled off the comeback. So there was a lot of good things to to glean from those games drew lock the tape from last year was pretty rough the year before the tape was pretty rough rookie season and there were flashes but even though we went four and one it was pretty rough and so looking at this quarterback situation i guess i'm looking at it as yeah one of these guys could end up being decent could be a quality game manager you have a good run game to go with them with the weapons they have then maybe this offense can soar above expectations. But right now are basically down with the earthworms. The expectations are as low as they can be for an offense, even with the weapons they've got, and it's because of the quarterback position. So with that said, let's look at the top two guys. I think you and I would agree, unless Jacob Eason just suddenly figures it out. You know, maybe the light switch clicks on in training camp and Eason starts dropping dimes downfield to DK Metcalf, and then suddenly – Pete Carroll and Shane Waldron are like, hey, this is a three-way competition now. Let's get the youngster in there. I don't see that happening. So it really boils down to Geno Smith against Drew Locke. And you and I, we often agree on things. I think that this is one competition that is ongoing, that's going to last deep into training camp in the preseason, where you and I are on a little different tangent. 
We we are. Uh, I think that Geno Smith has the advantage at this point because clearly he has, you know, more time in Shane Waldron's offense. He has that familiarity. And that would be the biggest area of concern I have for Drew Locke is just his football intelligence, just his ability to read defenses, get the ball out of his hand quickly. That is something that he struggled with at Missouri. It's something he certainly struggled with the Denver Broncos. But in terms of arm talent, in terms of mobility, in terms of prototypical size, in terms of experience against you know legitimate NFL defenses, not only in the NF, I should say NFL defenses, but in terms of quality defenses against the AFC West that he played against at the Denver Broncos, and obviously against the SEC in which he was a record breaker at Missouri. Um, and, and very productive at the Senior Bowl as well. That's why I think that that this was a trade that Seattle made with Drew Locke and Russell Wilson, of course. I think that they required Drew Locke to come back to them because they did see the, the talent that he possesses. So in my opinion, I, I do think that Drew Locke is the most gifted of the quarterbacks on Seattle's roster. I expect him to be the starter in week one. And if Geno Smith is, is the starter in week one, then I certainly expect Drew Locke to be able to kind of wrestle away that starting position because frankly, he is the more physically gifted player. He is the younger player. He has the higher upside. If we're talking about earthworms, then Drew Locke is the one who's actually going to bring in the fish as well. <laughs> yeah. I, so I'm going to have to think what I'm going to respond to that because now I'm just thinking about earthworms. Man, <laughs> our show is turning into a bass fishing, uh, locked on bass fishing today. Um, <laughs> I think if we end up in a situation like you just outlined where Geno Smith starts early in the year and then Drew Locke ends up taking over, to me, that would signal failure here. They need to have a guy emerge that is their starter that can hang on to the job. If they aren't able to do that, then I have a feeling that this is going to be a very long year for Seahawk fans. I just I can't think of many examples where a team started a veteran and then they went to another veteran that's a little bit younger later in the season, unless it's an injury, obviously. But if it's just a benching, that typically means the season is not going well. And so I think that would be bad news bears. They need to figure out who's going to be the quarterback and stick with that guy in week one. Drew Locke obviously does have that untapped potential, but Potential is such a dangerous word when we're talking about quarterbacks, especially. I mean, Jacob Easton's probably got more potential than any quarterback on this roster, but we've talked about a number of reasons why he hasn't come close to reaching that potential. Drew Locke's got some of these issues. I mentioned it earlier, the Brett Favre throws, the Brett Favre decisions where he tries to trust that arm too much. He's got to cut those out because you see the throws in the practice field. I saw it Monday, a beautiful seam route to Will Disley. If you could have throws like that consistently and eliminate some of the boneheaded mistakes where ego takes over and you trust your arm too much, then Drew Locke could be a really solid starting quarterback in the NFL. But Pete Carroll wants that point guard. He wants that facilitator. I saw that. I have seen it with my own eyes with Geno Smith. We saw it for three and a half games last year. He had one interception. Yeah, he lost a fumble at the end of the Steelers game. That was killer. So there was a couple turnovers mixed in there. But overall, he did a great job taking care of the football. 
They didn't have much of a run game to go with him. I would have loved to see what Geno Smith could have done with Rashad Penny in the backfield the way he was running those last six games. This offense could have been extremely fun to watch. They were kind of one-dimensional, though. So a lot was on Geno's shoulders, and yet he did a good job of getting the football around, especially to DK Metcalf. Metcalf had great games with Geno Smith as his quarterback. I just, I haven't seen that from Drew Locke. Nothing suggests to me that he can be that point guard, that he can be that facilitator. So I guess this is my challenge, Drew Locke. Go out and prove that you can do that. The physical tools are there. But I think Geno Smith, there's not a big drop-off in arm talent. And I think that he's so ahead of the curve with decision-making and being able to distribute the football and knowing the offense. I just don't know there's enough time if Locke is even going to be able to catch up. And so that's why I think right now this is Geno this is Geno Smith's job to lose, in my opinion. I think that's an excellent point. Um, yeah, if, if you're looking for that point guard, I think that Geno Smith is the best man for that job, and I think that he can be successful again with the the running game and, and defense. I expect Seattle and he can throw the deep ball. We saw him do it last year. So yeah, ab- absolutely. From the deep ball, then I think this is a different conversation. But the again, the arm talent is not that different, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with you. I, I just think the willingness to pull the trigger um, is a difference. And, and that could be both a good thing and a bad thing, um, you know, with, with Drew Locke. As we kind of explained previously, that's my biggest concern is I think that Drew Locke has some gunslinger to him. You kind of mentioned that a little bit with the, the references to Brett Favre. Um, I think that that's exciting. I think that it has great upside to it. I just don't know that it's what Pete Carroll wants. So again, to me, this is not a conversation about whether or not I think the Seahawks are going to be running for a Super Bowl. I mean, we we did a you know a projection earlier where we were kind of expecting you know, or kind of explaining who we thought or what we thought Seattle's uh, win loss schedule was going to be at the end of the season, and I, I said six and eleven. You know, I, I think that Seattle is going to struggle this year. But I think that the quarterback who has the best potential to be that guy, the guy, a Pro Bowl kind of a guy, I think is Drew Locke. And if if that is not the case, then I think that Seattle is going to recognize that relatively quickly and that Seattle is going to be in an excellent position next year taking advantage of the quarterback class. And, and so, yeah, I, I do think that the 2022, so 2023 year could be a difficult one potentially. But at the same time, I think that the Seahawks have planned that out. That's why they have all the the uh, you know, the draft selections that they do next year is to be able to take advantage of that quarterback class if this current quarterback crop on their roster is not the guy that's going to be able to, to hoist another trophy. It's still very early in the process. It's May 26th. There's only been three OTA practices. We've seen the Seahawks have been doing whatever they can to campaign for both of these quarterbacks today. There was a video on their social media accounts, Drew Locke dropping a dime to Tyler Lockett. The other day, they had video of Geno Smith making a nice pass. So who knows? Even social media is not giving away who's going to be the starter for the Seahawks. we got a long haul until that decision is going to be made. And I think this is going to be a tight battle back and forth for better or worse before they decide their quarterback once we get to training camp and the preseason. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Coming up on our Friday episode, I'm going to be taking a look at the 2019 draft class in retrospect. How does that group look heading into the final year of their respective rookie contracts? 
As always, thanks for listening. Go Hawks.